I want to read from God's Word. This is from Psalm chapter 67. You would have read this this week if you're tracking with us in the Psalms. And the Bible says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That your way, your way being God's way, may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. Our God blesses us. God bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Amen? Let's pray together as we begin our service. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together as a family to lift up the name of Christ. We want to worship you this morning, so help our hearts to be in a posture of worship. Help our attitudes to be in a posture of worship. And Lord, I pray anything maybe we've brought in this place, Lord, you just help those things to be released. And we just hear from you and we spend this time in communion with you. And we thank you for the fellowship of this family of God. Lord, we lift up LifeGate as they're wrapping up their service as we speak. I pray, Father, that the seeds that were planted today would fall on rich soil. And we ask for the same thing here, God. Open our hearts to your truth. Help us to respond, not just be listeners, but after today, we, we are doers of the word when we hear what it is you have to say. And we thank you for this time. We ask your blessing over it. In Jesus' name, amen. turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. We start a new series this uh, particular Sunday. We're in a kind of a lead up into Easter. We're going to be going through what we'll call the Upper Room series. Uh, 
And I'm going to be speaking on John chapter 13. My message is entitled, Don't Swerve, Serve. And you'll see why I went with that particular title. But to kind of start things out before we dig into the Word, how many of you can remember a time in your life where someone served you and it meant a lot? Anybody recall a time in your life where that happened? Okay, another one would be, how many of you can recall a time in your life where you stepped out and served someone and it meant a lot to them? All right. And then the uh, last question before we get into the message today is, how many of you want to be like Jesus? Hey, half of you. All right. How many of you want to be like Jesus? After all, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. So now that you've got your hand up, you're on the hook. You have to pay attention because Jesus gives us an example of how we ought to live as followers of Christ. And I hope that this message resonates with all of us. Before we get into the word, I'd just like to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts, our eyes, our minds to what it is he has to say. So you bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a family and dig into the word. And I pray that your spirit would guide us and lead us. Father, press upon our hearts what it is that you want for every single one of us. And may we respond to this and actually apply it. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Then Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to be washed except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things... God will bless you for doing them. As we begin to unpack this passage, we recognize that this is one of the final moments Jesus would have with his disciples 
the night before he was betrayed, arrested, and essentially went through an unfair trial that would lead to his death. It's final night with the disciples, and they're in this upper room, and he begins this setting by washing their feet. And the Bible says that Jesus took off his robe, and then he put a towel around his waist, which for the disciples, that would have been a woe type of moment. You see, in a household, the lowliest member of the household, and sometimes even the servants, would be the ones with a towel around their waist, and they would be there at the door to wash people's feet when they came in as guests. They lived in a very dry, desert-like area, and so you can imagine the dust and the things that would be on your feet, and it was just a way of showing hospitality to your guests and to those in the home. Now, Jesus takes off his robe, puts this towel on, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. The disciples have been with him now, and they've watched what he's done. They've watched what he's said, and to think of this moment where he's like a servant to them. And that had to just be so hard to comprehend. And Peter even struggles with it. And said, wait a second, I, this should be the other way around. You know, like, and he's struggling with that. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. And, and through that, Jesus gives an example of what it looks like to be a servant. In verse 15, he says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And so some application here right out the gate. I mean, you think about who Jesus is. All right, just before this passage, it says we know that he came from God and he's going to return to God. Yet in the midst of where he was at, he became like a lowly servant. So my application for this is what does it look like to come down from your position? I mean, if you bring that into your own context, into your own life, what does it look like to come down from your place of convenience, to come down from your place of comfort in order to be a servant? Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we have to carry that same attitude, that same mindset as a follower of Christ. If I'm going to be like Jesus, then this is one of the things that comes with that. How do I put others before me? In Philippians chapter 2, regarding the attitude of Christ, Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider God or equality with God something to be grasped or something that could be used to your own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's the attitude and the posture of our example. And as a follower of Christ, we need to, if you will, get in line with what that looks like. Following Jesus means we follow his example. And this can be incredibly hard for us to swallow because here's some things. Newsflash, we're selfish. Can I get an amen? Yeah. We're, we're guarded. We, we protect our, our, uh, our precious time, which I value time. Time is important. But sometimes we can use that as an excuse to close the door on an opportunity. 
We have set schedules. We have places we need to be. We have things we need to do. And we often lose sight of what it means to really be a servant each and every day. I found this quote by Joyce Meyer this week. She says, Everywhere Jesus went, even though he had a purpose and he was headed somewhere, he let himself be interrupted by the needs of people. So often we study the steps of Jesus. Maybe we need to study the stops of Jesus and recognize what it is he was doing. The things that he stopped for, the things that interrupted his plan, where he would alter his plan and help somebody here and there. So this is a great reminder for us throughout this week now to be willing to let our agenda, our schedules, our plans be interrupted because there might be an opportunity there in which we can serve someone. When Jesus was teaching, one day he was confronted by a religious leader and and kind of asked the question, Lord, what must I do as far as obeying commands? What's the greatest of these commands? You know, you need to love God and you need to love your neighbor. And the man says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus begins to unpack this story. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And maybe you've heard this story before. If you haven't, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a flyover. But there's this Jewish man, and he is beat up, robbed, and left for dead on the side of a road. And as this story progresses... There's a priest, so an incredibly hierarchy individual, just way up there, comes walking by, sees the situation, and instead of extending a hand to this person who's left for dead, he actually goes to the other side of the road and goes around the situation, swerves it. So along comes an assistant to the priest in the temple. Here he comes along and sees the same situation, and he's faced with a choice, what do I do? And so just like the priest, other side of the road, navigates around and tries to avoid the situation, swerves the situation. And then the Bible says, and then here comes a Samaritan man. Now, if I break down some of the, uh, the social impact and the, kind of the uh, things that were happening in this day between Jews and Samaritans, there, there was kind of a tendency to not get along. Samaritans were seen as kind of half-breeds. They weren't real Jews. And there was this conflict. You didn't associate with them. You didn't get along. It would be socially awkward to be interacting with them. People might think things if you're, acting, or if you're interacting with them. And so here comes this Samaritan person. He comes along, and instead of swerving to the other side of the road, he begins to tend to the man that's lying on the ground. And in Luke chapter 10, you get a little bit of a breakdown on some of the things that the Samaritan man does for this Jewish man. And you get a a picture of this in verse, uh, excuse me, I believe it's like 33 through 35. One of the first things you see is that the, the Samaritan man had compassion on the guy that was lying on the ground. He had compassion on him. And following that compassion is then he began to soothe the man's wounds. And after that was done, he then took the man, and the Bible says he put him on his donkey. So he now has invited this man into his world. You're on my donkey, and we're going to find some ways to take care of you. And then lastly, he takes the man to an inn. He tosses two silver coins 
to the innkeeper, says, take care of this guy. I'm going to come back. If there's anything else that he needed or anything like that, I'll pay the bill when I get back. And so on top of that, then he takes care of the guy's needs. And walking through the Good Samaritan's story, and you see how he responded to the hurting man that was on the road. I think we can all find ourselves in kind of an area of saying, number one, do I have compassion for people who are hurting around me? And if you don't, you need to pray about that. Because when Jesus gets done with this story, he says, who do you think was this guy's neighbor? And everybody goes, well, of course, the one who had mercy on this man who was on the road. And he said, yeah, now go and do this. So as followers of Christ, we need to have our eyes on the lookout for people who are hurting. And if we see people who are hurting, do you respond with compassion? And it's not just something to feel sorry for somebody, but then once you feel that compassion, how are you then stepping in to soothe the wounds and bring them into your world or provide for their needs? Sometimes we can respond with pity, but I think compassion moves you. Compassion and pity, you know, it's like, oh, that's too bad, and then we move on. Compassion says, I'm going to do something about this. And so as you guys identify with people throughout your week, I hope that you have eyes that look for the hurting because they're all around you. People who are in need of compassion, people who are in need of soothing, people who are in need of being invited into a, a, a world where Jesus is and their needs provided for. I came across a video last night of some little kids playing basketball, and I'm going to show you this, but I want to give you some context of why I think this is funny, is you've got this kid, his number is zero, and I think there's like a special needs with this kid, and they're going to play basketball, and they're going to try to give him the ball so he can score. How many of you love watching videos like that, right? Crowd goes nuts. And so number 10, when he rebounds the ball, he decides to shoot it instead of let the number zero shoot it. But then there's a number 50, and he's kind of there the whole time, like, how do we get the ball into this kid's hand so he can make his shot? So I want you to watch this video. I love the, probably over to mom and dad or something. There's a thrill in watching that kid's response. As number 50 served him, you got to experience the joy of what Zero went through. And I think there's blessings when we step out and we serve. And Jesus even says that in verse 17. He goes, now that you know these things, God will bless you for knowing them. Wait a second. That's not what the verse says. 
The verse says God will bless you for what? Doing them. You guys know what you're supposed to do. The blessing is in the doing. And one of the blessings is we get to watch people respond when they're blessed. Just like that kid went all crazy. I mean, that was fun. When you step in and serve people, there's, there's a, a thrill, there's a joy that comes along with that. You watch people respond, and I'll even take this a step further. You can even at times, depending on the circumstance, depending on where they're at and their faith journey, sometimes the act of service can lead to watching them get saved. Now, how's that for a thrill? You can experience God at work. Sometimes we go, man, I just love to experience God. I hear about it here, I hear about it there. I would love to experience those things. Well, guess what? I dare you to start serving and see what happens. You will experience God. Sometimes you might be in a spiritual rut. You feel like, well, I just don't you know, sense God's presence or I don't feel like he's with me. Step in and serve somewhere and watch what God does with that spiritual rut. Another thing, and I've experienced this in my life and I've watched it happen with other people, is maybe they're praying for an answer. Maybe they're walking through something. They need an answer of the direction they should go or whatever the answer might be, but they'll find it when they step into a moment of serving somewhere. They step in and serve, and while they're on that missions trip or while they're in the midst of that service opportunity, God gives them the answer of what it is they're supposed to go do. And so there's a blessing right there. And I think ultimately, giving you a better perspective. Serving will do that. Helps you recognize the needs that are out there. Helps you realize how big of needs people are actually walking through compared to your own. Gives you perspective. My act of service to someone could totally open the doors for them into the kingdom of God. And I'm not serving you because of who you are. I'm serving you because of whose you are. Hurting people are made in God's image just like you are. They have a purpose. They have a plan for their life. And your act of service could totally open the door to them getting involved in the kingdom. So my questions today kind of in closing is on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing on serving people? One being, I don't do this. And ten being, I live for this every day. Serve, 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 serve. Scale of one to ten, where are you at on serving people? Are you more focused on your world or the kingdom? Another question with that scale is, where would you say your heart is at serving people? Is it more inwardly focused on yourself or is it outwardly focused on other people? And then the last thing is, do you have the right attitude towards serving people. Uh, I just That's more for internal reflection, but I encourage you to really pray through that and process that. Say, God, where am I in the midst of all of this? Serving is God's heartbeat, and I challenge you, don't miss the opportunity that comes along with serving. Don't swerve these moments. Instead, embrace them as an opportunity to be a blessing. And as Jesus said in verse 17, there's a blessing also in it for you. Not that that should be our motivation, but it is neat to know that Jesus flat out says you'll be blessed for living life according to this. And lastly, Jesus addresses salvation in verses 8 and 11. 
Jesus told Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. There's a prophetic nature to this statement, and he's speaking to salvation. Unless the Holy Spirit comes and washes your heart clean and you are born again, you don't belong in the kingdom of God. God wants you in his kingdom, but you have to be born again. You can't wish your way into heaven. You can't hope your way into heaven. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ and be born again. And Jesus recognizes that not everybody in the room is ready for heaven. And in verse 11, he says, not all of you are clean. And he was kind of given a heart check, if you will, to Judas. And for us today, I want to tell you, you can't fool God. He knows your heart, whether good or bad. He knows whether you're saved or you're not saved. You can kind of, if you will, pretend that everything's okay, but when reality becomes reality, God knows where you're at, and he wants to know whether or not you're saved today. Have you responded to that message? If you're already saved, God knows your heart, and he knows areas that we need to let the Holy Spirit work on. Maybe we need more of a servant heart and less of a prideful heart. And so there's something for all of us as we close this message. And so I'd invite you now to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, I thank you for how your word speaks to us. I thank you for your example of what it looks like to be a servant, to empty ourselves of our pride, our selfishness, our comfort, our convenience, and to put on the servanthood of a follower of Jesus. Help us to do that. Help us to live with that servant posture and mindset. Help us not to swerve the circumstances that might land in our lap this very afternoon but help us to serve and respond in a way that your spirit would want us to respond. And Lord, I want to give an opportunity here that if there's somebody who you are speaking to their heart right now, and today they say, I want my heart to be clean. I want my heart to be right with God. And I want him to come and wash me, cleanse me of my sin. If that's you this morning with every head bowed, eye closed, just lift your hand for me because I'm going to lead you in that prayer. Anybody that wants to pray that this morning, just simply lift your hand. I want to be washed and cleansed and redeemed. Anyone at all, lift your hand. Father, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I trust this message landed on good soil. And I ask, Father, that your Spirit would continue to work on us. Guide us and lead us and help us to serve in the kingdom of God. And Father, if there's any heart in here that that wants to be made right with you, they just didn't have the courage to lift their hand, I still am going to give an opportunity to respond. And just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, come and cleanse me. 
Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. Wash it away. Forgive me. And help me to walk in a new direction, in the direction of your kingdom, in the direction of serving people, in the direction of heaven. And I thank you for saving me, and I thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.